welcome to Sunday service. And this isn't just any Sunday service, but this Sunday we had family Sunday. And we invited our friends, our family, just to have a, a Sunday morning of celebration. And people showed up. My little church was full today. And it just is so exciting. Like we tripled in attendance today. It was great to see my little church filled up and with just family and friends. And this Sunday I had a, a uh, extra family come in and we sang a few songs and I went ahead and I put those songs on here uh, as you listen to them just remember they were recorded from my little microphone um, they weren't professionally done but it was just so much fun to be with family and friends I got to also um, dedicate a baby today and it was just a wonderful family service that we celebrated um family and we worship God as a family and I hope that you really enjoy the music, uh, the songs and just the message on how much God loves families. Enjoy.
my family. Today is just a great, overwhelming, wonderful day for me. I, I don't know if it could get much better. Birthday blessings, family, singing. We have snacks after church. What else? Uh, baby dedication. Love it. Today, we can say amen, and Shelly is good, right? Yeah. Um, but I want to say welcome. I'm not going to keep you long because I want us to have some time to visit afterward. I want to meet family, and you can introduce your family that's here, too. But you know that that's a huge component of what church is. The Greek word for it is koinonia, and that means fellowship. And God's intention was not for us to just go to church, sing, listen, and leave. If we do that, we're no better than the grasshoppers in A Bug's Life. Has anybody seen that? Right? We know the ants. They sit there. They're waiting for the grasshoppers to come. And they say, they come, they eat, they leave. They come, they eat, they leave. That's not God's intention for church. His intention is koinonia, which is participatory fellowship. That means I bless you, but you bless me. I encourage you. You encourage me. When you're going through great times, I'm going to celebrate with you. When you're going through sad times, I'm going to hug you, I'm going to cry with you, and I'm going to sit with you, right? That's what koinonia is. So I want us to have a chance to have some koinonia after church today. Um, God loves families. Fact. Fact. God loves families. You know how I know this? Because I read it in the Bible. Genesis 2.20 says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. You know what this tells me? This tells me he looked at all of creation, everything he made, the beautiful animals, and he was like, mm, still not good enough for man. So he made woman, and he said, oh, perfection, right? Yes, He's, we are the crown of creation, ladies, right? May, okay, maybe not, but, you know, Adam, we, we did have to use his, his rib, right? Um, so he was right in saying, in verse 24, it says, this is why a man leaves. Well, he was right in saying, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. But in verse 24, it says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. God creates family. God creates family. If you really think about it, the ultimate artist 
who's created mountains, rivers, stars, galaxies, animals, great and small, sunsets. Ah, the true crown of his creation was, was not woman. It was family. He made woman so that Adam could have family. He created families. Families should be honored, nurtured, and protected. And I love how the Bible describes some of the relationships within a family. Proverbs 12.4 says, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown. We'll just leave it at that. I'll go ahead and read it for those that are listening on the CD. It says, but a disgraceful wife is like decay to his bones. But we're not going to dwell on that right now. A wife of noble character is her husband's crown. So we are a crown, ladies. We are a crown. We're our husband's crown. And husbands, I'm not leaving you out. You could say, well, I am likened to Christ in the Bible. Well, let's read it so that it's in context, okay? Um, context is everything. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. The love that a husband should have for his wife is sacrificial. It's a sacrificial love. And the song that I thought of was, I would you it's Prince you guys it's not the only song I could think of I know and then I was like I, there's got to be another song and I thought of um, I would catch a grenade for you Bruno, I know those were the only two songs and I that was it um, you guys can think of other songs afterwards and we'll just have a song game after church but anyway the love that a husband should have for a wife is sacrificial and then Proverbs 17 6 tells us grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their father. Now, if you are a grandparent out here today, and you agree that your grandchildren are your crowns that you wear, I want to hear an amen. 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 Okay. One day I'm going to know. One day I'm going to know that blessing, you guys. I know. Um, I'll, I'll, it's not in my notes, but I'll tell you the story anyway. I was just telling them that when my son got married, and we were sitting down, and I was trying to have my serious face on. I have that. And I said, you guys, Jesus is coming back soon. And they were all like, yeah. I'm like, so you better make me a grandma before he comes back. But it didn't come. I don't think it's really convinced them. But anyway, um, the crown of a grandparent is their grandchildren. And it reminded me of when mom and I went um, on a trip. She was sitting in the middle. I was on the aisle. There was another lady next in the window and they got to talking and they found common ground. You know what that common ground was? It was grandchildren. So I'm reading, but I'm listening to their conversation. Well, pretty soon it became, um, you know, if you know my mom, isn't she so sweet and kind? Okay, so she was talking so sweet and kind, but you know what she was doing the whole time? She was one-upping that grandma. She, the, the, the lady's like, oh, I have four grandchildren. And mom's like, oh, that's great. I have eight. Yeah, and then it was like, well, me and my granddaughter went shopping. We, Mom's like, well, me and my three granddaughters went shopping the other day. We just had, and everything that this lady said, my mom was like one-upping her. And like, when we got to where we were, I had to text Pam, and I was like, well, Grandma won the Humble Brag Award <laughs> um, on the airplane. But I think that, that, that you deserve to be able to humble brag on your grandchildren, even when you have 14 
grandchildren, you can humble brag all you want. Uh, and they do, right? Yeah. Um, but the second part of the scripture I find very interesting. And we could actually do a whole message on the second part of this scripture because it says the glory of children is their father's. What does that mean? The glory of children is their fathers. And when you look up the definition of, of glory, or we think of the word glory, we think of how we refer to God when we give him glory and honor, or uh, we talk about him being glorious. So we're talking about him being um, his splendor and his majesty and his beauty. But there's a definition in there that I thought fit very well in the scripture, and it's boasting. Fathers are the boasting of their children. And you think about it, how many of you when you were kids or you hear kids saying, my dad is stronger than your dad. My dad can beat up your dad. My dad is this. My kids love to brag on their fathers. And it made me think of my oldest son. He's 26 now, but um, when he was about two, he didn't want to do what his dad did. He didn't want to um, be like his dad, but he wanted to be a dad. Be a dad. And on um, one Christmas, he was about two or three, and we got him a Teletubby, Tinky Winky. Do you know who that yeah. is? Tinky Winky. And he opened up the, the box, and he looked at Tinky Winky, and he said, my son. That was the first thing he said. My family will tell you Tinky Winky was his son. And he went everywhere with Corey. When we were going to go on vacation, he was him hawing whether to take him because he didn't want to lose him. So um, I knew we had to take, take Tinky Winky with us. So I had to sew Corey's name and address and phone number in the bottom of Tinky Winky because if he ever got lost, that was not good. He was uh, son to my son, Tinky Winky. Everybody knows that. Um, but he didn't even know it at that time, but he was bragging on his daddy, right? Only somebody with a good daddy would want to be a daddy. And it's nothing new to look around us today and see that one of the, the schemes of the enemy is to remove the fathers from the home. Amen. We see that. And sadly, it's, it's progressed to not just fathers, but mothers also. But it's a scheme because he knows the importance of a father's role in a child's life. And um, I was thinking about the years that I was camp state, state youth director and did camps and, and all, the, all the kids that came through, and especially some of the young, the young boys. And when they got to be driving, they would say, Shelly, we want to come up and see you. And I'm like, come on up. And they would drive from wherever they were around the state, and they would come and stay the weekend. And inevitably, you know what they wanted? They wanted time with Paul. And throughout the weekend, he would sit with them, and he would tell them things about finances, taxes, saving money, careers, college, trade school. And one of those, those young men, it was cute. Um, we had this chair. It was just an oversized chair. It wasn't a, a love seat. It wasn't meant for two people. It was meant for one person to, you know, spread out. And th this young man came, and he, was, he stayed the weekend. And we were watching a football game. And he comes in, and Paul's sitting in this oversized chair. And he wiggles his way into this chair right next to Paul. I laughed so hard because you come on in. Uh, well, I had to laugh, though, because Paul was just sitting there. He's sitting here like this now, and then here's this young man sitting right there, happy as a clam, sitting right next to Paul. And, um, 
you know, I, I, I love seeing that in my husband, that he, he uh, was a father figure to some of these young men. And we see that even today, people looking for a father figure. Psalms 127 says that children are a heritage from the Lord. Blessed is the man who has them. You know what I say? Children should be seen and heard. Children should be seen and heard. They are important to God. Um, when people tried bringing their children to Jesus and the disciples said, oh, no, 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 he doesn't have time for you. You know what it said Jesus did? He didn't just tell them, no, it says he rebuked them. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be rebuked by Jesus, right? He rebuked them and said, don't stop those kids from coming to me. He says, let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. We need to see children as Jesus saw children. They are a reward and a prize. Can I tell you, my days of impressing adults, they're gone. But my days of trying to impress children, they're not gone. I try my, I, I buy them toys, right? Um, I do whatever I can to get kids to like me. I love working peewee camp and junior camp, being around these kids. And our church has an annual state convention. And you know what I've been doing? It's, it's bad, but I've been bringing candy. And then I, I advertise, Shelly has candy. So then throughout the convention, these kids come running up to me. And um, this year I, I brought jelly beans. So they had to find Shelly jelly beans. And that's what they would say, Shelly jelly beans. And I would be like, hey. And one of the little boys, he came up to me and he was like, um, he said, you know, I think I'm going to call you Auntie Shelly from now on. Winner, right? That's what I, I was like, yes. And I went to his dad and I was telling him, I'm like, well, you know what your son said? And he was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But I didn't think that he would actually remember. Well, the next day he comes up to me and he's like, hey, Auntie Shelly. And I was like, in my heart, I was trying not to make a big deal, you know, but I was just like in my heart going, yes, I won. It was worth it, you know. My days of impressing children are so not over, right? We, we need to see children as a prize and as a reward. Jesus loves the little children of the world, right? We know that song, red and yellow, black and white, right? That's right. You know how I learned it? When I was little, my cousin Shirley said, we say, uh, red, brown, yellow, black and white. You got to add that brown in there too, right? They are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Um, anyway, not all families exemplify these examples, though. Not all wives are noble. Not all parents are honored. And not all children are cherished. But even when our families fail us, when we feel the hurt, the neglect of our families, God has not left us to drift alone in this world. Psalm 68, 5, 6 says, He is a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing. When family forsakes us, God said, I got you. I will set you up in a family. And you know how he does that? Through salvation. 
When we accept Jesus as our Savior, the word tells us that we become a part of his family. Romans 8, 15, 16 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. He becomes Abba, Father. And I love being a part of the family of God. When you meet a fellow Christian, it don't matter if theologies align or not, but when you meet a fellow Christian, you should feel that kinship because they are. If they are a part of the family of God, they are a part of your family also. But here's the awesome thing about becoming a Christian. We know that when you accept Jesus as your savior, it's a personal decision. Nobody can make it for you. You make that for yourself when you accept Jesus as your savior. And then that journey from there, when God's working his, his sanctification in you to transform you to be who he created you to be, to transform you to be, as we read in the word, more like Christ, right? That's a personal journey. That, that's something personal that he does with us. But our relationship isn't private. It's personal, but it's not private because we become a part of the family of God, the kingdom of God, his church, even called his body. All of these things indicate that we are not alone. We need to tie ourselves into a community of believers and be an active participant, koinonia, of the family of God. God made us to thrive when we are in community. That's when we're at our best. When we are in community with other believers, uh, we thrive. I'm thankful for all the families that God has placed me in. My blood family, my church family, my friend family, all of these families that he's placed me in. None of them are perfect. Do you know why? Because they're comprised of human beings and we are not perfect. None of them are perfect. I have been hurt by my blood family. I've been hurt by church family, by my friends, friend family. I've done my share of hurting, right? I've, I've done it within myself, not intentionally, but I've done it. But just because we're hurt doesn't mean we need to wash our hands of them. Because they're family, we forgive. And we love, we restore, we allow God to heal. And if we leave, we don't say, good riddance. You know what we do? We do as the prodigal son's dad did. When the prodigal son ran away, he didn't wash his hands of his son. But we read that he stands on his porch and he watches from afar off to see, is my son coming home today? Is my son coming home today? And when those that have, that have gone away, let's not hold grudges against them, but when we see them from afar off begin to make their way back, you know what we should do? We should pick up and run towards them and run to them because they are family. They are our family and we should love them and forgive them. I am thankful for the family of God today. Amen. Are you, are you thankful for the families that God has placed you in. Let's go ahead and stand. I want to close um, our service praying with our families. If your family is here, I want you to kind of get with them.
hold a hand, and we're going we're gonna to pray together. I don't, but as you gather with your family, I want you to play, pray a blessing over them, that God would, would be the center of your family, because when Christ is at the center, all else falls into place. Let's go ahead and pray these blessings. God, I thank you today for family. God, I thank you, Father, God, that you have placed me in a family, God, that, you've, that I've been born into. What a privilege and honor it is for me to have my family here with me today, God, and I'm thankful for them, Father. Lord, I'm thankful, God, Lord, for the love and the support that I always feel from them, God. And I pray that you bless them, Father. Bless their homes. God, bless their hearts. God, I pray that you that you see, God, Lord, the needs in their family, God, in their minds, in their hearts, and that you would touch them, that you would heal them physically, God. And, Lord, that you would just be with them in every, every way, Father, God. Lord, I pray that today you bless these families that are here to come to worship you, Father, God. Lord, over each one of them, I pray that where there is brokenness, that you would be find healing, God, Lord, that you would heal them, Father God. Lord, where there is strife, that you would make peace, Father God. Lord, where forgiveness needs to happen, God, I pray that it happens freely, God. Lord, I pray, Father God, that you give us an appreciation for one another, God, that we don't take each other for granted, God, Lord, but that we turn to one another in our times of need, God, Lord, to come together and celebrate the highs, Father God, and weep, Father, with them in the lows, God. Lord, that is what you've given us, Father. I thank you for my community, Father God, of believers that you placed me in. Lord, I ask you, God, Lord, for, for everyone, Father God, Lord, to find that place where they can worship, where they feel like family, God. Lord, that we don't just come and eat and leave, God, but we can come, Father God, and have fellowship one with another, God. Lord, I thank you today. I praise you today, Father God. Lord, for the families that you have given us, God. Lord, and I ask this, Father God, in your name, Jesus, bless us, God. Bless us, God. Amen. God loves families. I hope that the message today really just gave you a new perspective on how to look at your families, all the families that God has placed you into, whether it's your, your blood family or an adopted family or uh, a church family, work family, you know, your friend's family, um, whatever those families are that God has placed in your life, that you're able to just see them with a new light and, and see that God loves families. He's placed you in these families for a reason, and we should pray over our families, with our families, and love and nurture and protect that gift of family that God has given us. God bless you and have a great week.